everyone and welcome to another wednesday special on the scouting report front office and agents always at odds right never get along well maybe not today we will dive into how you can work quite successfully on both sides with today's guest mike mccartney before we jump in with Mike, let me remind you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Love the feedback on content and future topics that you've been giving me. Got more player reports coming each week as we get closer to all these all-star games. At RightStepADV on Twitter or head over to rsafootball.com. Let me know your thoughts on all things football. But back to today's guest, he has filled numerous roles in the football world from coaching to personnel, now as an agent, a guy that's going to have great insight on how it all works together. So let's get right to it. Mike McCartney, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. It's uh, exciting to be out with you, my man. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a unique background. Um, you know, you've probably filled, you know, I'm sure as a as a young coach, you carry dummies, you worked uh you know, in the equipment room, strength room. So uh, let's go ahead and just jump into that background. Where are you from? How did you get into the football world? And and then we'll kind of work through the timeline from there. Yeah, sure. So uh, I grew up in football. My dad was a, a longtime college football coach. He coached at Michigan under Bo Schimbeckler for eight years. Uh, used to go to games with Jim and John Harbaugh. And uh, when I was going into my senior year of high school, he got hired by Colorado. And on June 10th, which is an odd time for a college to hire somebody. And so I was going to be captain of three sports and small school in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and got to move to Boulder, Colorado um, my, for my senior year. And um, it was, uh, you know, so when you grow up in football, man, you eat, sleep, and drink football, right? And it's all about sports. And uh, after my playing days, I played a little bit of college football, like, I coached uh, for five years. I did some, well, let me back up. I did some recruiting uh, at Colorado. Then I coached for a year there. I coached for a couple at North Carolina uh, under Mac Brown, his first time in Chapel Hill. And then in 1992, I did get hired by the Chicago Bears where I was a pro scout. And as you well know, I used to sit in a dark, small room with no windows and yep. just watch tape 24-7. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, all day. And then I, um, in 1998, I got a great opportunity to go be the director of pro personnel for the Philadelphia Eagles for three years. Uh, the general manager was Tom Modrak, an unbelievable person uh, to work with. And um, after three years in Philly, I was I was struggling to find that balance, raising children. I had three little boys, four, two, and one, and um, made a move to the agent side. And I'm tw 22 years on the agent side, nine on the team side. So as I tell all these recruits, you know, I've been in the NFL longer than you've been a thought. Yep. So, <laughs> but it's yep. been a great journey. And, uh, you know, it has been really interesting to see several sides of this business, you know, this NFL business. Yeah. I mean, it's no matter what level you're at, it's at the end of the day, it's football. It's at the end of the day, you want to put a good product on the field, win games. But there is so much that goes into it from a college level, from a pro level, and then on the agent side and personnel side, too. So uh, so you've worn a bunch of hats and I can only imagine that that has added a ton of value each step along your way 
has, you know, made you the, you know, very reputable agent you are now. So let's, let's go all the way back to your time uh, there at CU as a recruiter, as a college coach. What did that time, you know, starting your football career, obviously being around football, but working in football full time, how did that prepare you for your long career in, in personnel and as an agent? Yeah, it definitely had uh, a big impact because I think uh, looking back, um, you know, I had, I, I think we all watched football through our own lens, a different lens. Coaches, and I can say this, I grew up with a Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> Coaches watch through the lens of the play call. You know, what are the coaching yep. points? Did you do your job? Scouts don't know all the coaching points, don't know the play calls. So scouts watch through a lens of attributes, uh, skill set. And I figured out pretty early on that that I watched the game through the lens of evaluating players and understanding football situations. As a former quarterback, you know, that's that's just how I watched. I, I, like my dad was a head coach, so I kind of watched through those lens. So I kind of knew when I got into recruiting in the late 80s and, and then coaching that I really didn't want to be in coaching um, just because I saw the game, you know, like a scout did. So while I was at uh, coaching, I was always trying to meet the scouts, the general managers, the player personnel directors that came through in Boulder and Chapel Hill and was fortunate that Bill Tobin, um, you know, had reached out to me at, 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 after my time in Chapel Hill. Bill Tobin, that is a great name in the scouting world that uh, that anybody, I mean, it's remarkable even in the last couple of years, Bill's still out there at pro days um, and you see him, you know, on the sidelines and that is uh, that is a great football name right there. So uh, that's awesome. And that's, you know, it's, it's funny the way you talk about through that lens, because I was the exact same as you, my, you know, now my dad wasn't a hall of fame coach, extremely successful <laughs> high school coach. Yeah. But again, as I was, you know, watching football, you know, it was the exact same. I wasn't watching the X's and O's. I was, you know, picking up on all those little tendencies that a, uh, that a, a short white corner might, you know, might be able to take advantage of to allow him to play just a little bit longer at a division three school. So uh, it's uh, it's funny how that lens really shapes. And uh, you know, when you recognize it allows you to you know, kind of take off in your career, um, which is great. So on the coaching side, so obviously from a film standpoint, from an evaluation standpoint, you, you recognized that there is uh, a difference in the way you viewed the film um, one of the big differences between coaching and scouting is that relationship aspect with the players. Um, a scout, we can go six months without uh, ever having a conversation with a player, and then you hit all-star games and pro days, and you start to develop those. Um, are there aspects of that coaching that you really enjoyed, that you missed, and uh, that you still try to you know, kind of bring to your process in, as an agent? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there, well, first, you know, there's nothing like game day, right? Mm -hmm. Game, game day special. And, um, you know, growing up as a coach's kid there, you know, there's just nothing like game day, especially in the Midwest. You oh, know, yeah. where there's that, you know, the air and, and fall weather and the leaves and, you know, so game day is always going to be special. Um, and just, um, you know, I, I just, I really enjoy being around the players, of course, uh, being on the field. I do remember when I was a player and it got later in the year and it got cold. And, you know, I would think to myself, man, I can't wait to coach so I can really be dressed appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I got into coaching and I'm like, 
there's no amount of clothes that can handle some of these cold days. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I definitely, um, you know, really enjoyed being around the players. I was a graduate assistant, so I was near their age and it was easy to connect. Yep. And honestly, when I was a pro guy, uh, what I really enjoyed was going into the locker room and talking to players and just finding out what they thought the issues were and, mm -hmm. uh, and trying to take away excuses, you know, but talking to players and, you know, um, just, you know, being able to encourage them. And, and so much of that has played into me being an agent, you know, um, I'll give you a quick example. I remember I signed Josh McCown, first player I ever signed. And early uh, in his first training camp, he had a bad practice. And he called me up that night and said, hey, I had a bad practice, Mike. And I said, yeah, this is great news, Josh. And he says, or, or I said, this is great news, Josh. And he said, Mike, I said I had a bad practice. And I said, I know, Josh, but here's the thing. When you're a quarterback, a third rounder, you have to learn or you have to earn the coach's trust. And just because you're drafted, doesn't that doesn't happen. So you have to earn it. And what's happened right now is the coaches are in a meeting room and they're talking about what a bad practice you had. And then they're going to say, let's see how he responds. Absolutely. And so the next day, you know, you have to go have a great practice, Josh. You have to get locked in. And this has got to be, you got to kind of have your game face on and when you have a great practice tomorrow night, those coaches are going to say, did you see how McCown responded? That's what we're looking for. We see the talent. He's not ready necessarily to play in the NFL, but this is a guy that's going to get up and, and come back the next day better. So, you know, so much of my coaching background, mostly my dad and my little bit of coaching, I think played a huge role in how I communicate with players and, and, and see, you know, where I can be a benefit to them. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there's, you know, first off, Josh McCown, that's a, he had a heck of an NFL career um, for a number of reasons. Um, you know, his off, you know, everything he brought from the off field perspective that, you know, you just kind of hit on right there. And, and, you know, one of those things that, uh, that scouts are talking about a lot right now is, is that uh, the, the perspective and the awareness of, what kind of practice they had, how guys that can walk off the field and say, hey, I just didn't have a good day today and you got to lock in. And there's guys that, you know, have never thought they had a bad day of practice and, uh, you know, aren't, aren't quite there with reality. And those, those, you know, aspects for Josh have, uh, you know, certainly made for a really long career. And, you know, he, how many teams did Josh end up playing for? I don't, you know, 11, 10. Yeah. And, and we have 32. So it got close. I yeah. Don't, you know, he, he, his it was tough at times for him to play for that many teams, but now looking back, he wants to get into coaching and yep. what a great experience to just see so many, you know, approaches and and um, you know he got to learn so much about offensive football because he was in every offense possible. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and and I think you know it's interesting also about Josh. You know, I talked about this. You know, when and if he gets if and when he gets to be a head coach. You know, he'll be able to go into that first team meeting and identify with every guy in the room. He literally will be able to say, you know, hey, I've been a starter. I've been a backup. I've been released. I've been paid. I've been I've been at the minimum. I went over to the UFL. You know, I've been on injured reserve. I've been on the practice squad late in his career. He did that. And he can truly identify with every guy in that room. I know this. A lot of players don't believe they can identify or, or the, 
head coach understands them. Yeah. And I think in 2022, you know, that's, that's imperative for a coach to be successful. He's got to know, you know, those, how to push the right buttons. Right. And yeah. buttons that we're pushing in 22 are different than we pushed in 1992. Yes, absolutely. It's you know, a bit of a bit of an experiment with Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis right now. I fully expect Josh to, you know, to get some really good ops, you know, these next couple of years. And uh, and I think he might have been in some conversations already. So I'm excited for him. But uh, but uh, we, we won't spend any more time on Josh. Let's go back. 1992, <laughs> you went from coaching at North Carolina to working as a scout. Obviously, this was something that I'm, I'm sure you had been working on. Um, something that you wanted. Talk about that transition going, you know, fully from the uh, coaching to the personnel side. Yeah, Jerry DiNardo I was really close with when he was coaching at Colorado, and and he got the Vanderbilt head coaching job, and I was super excited for him, and and he made a comment to me that he would eventually, he could potentially call me, and, you know, about a, a position on his staff, and I remember thinking, I don't want to coach. That's just not what's in my DNA personally, you know? And so that's when I remember calling my father and to say, you know, just say, Hey dad, I really want to think about getting into scouting, you know, what's your advice. And, you know, back then when we had rotary phones and, 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 and the U S mail system, that's the only way we could communicate with yeah. people. And I wrote a lot of letters and, um, you know, fortunately Bill Tobin uh, responded and, and he did bring me in for an interview the summer of 92. And he said to me afterwards, um, hey, give me a, you know, four to six weeks. You know, we're going to go through this process. So I, my time at North Carolina was up because you can only have been a GA for two years at that point. So I was, I had to wait those four to six weeks and not without a job, you know, and obviously it turned out great. And he called and offered me, but I got hired. August 15th, which is also an odd time to get hired for a pro time. That is late. <laughs> yes. So I joined the team in the middle of training. Well, yeah. actually, after the Bears had broke training camp in Platteville, and I joined them when they got back to Hallis Hall in Chicago. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, very odd time. Hit you know, the ground hit running. The ground yeah, hit the ground running with them. And uh, I'm sure the first thing you had to do, I'm sure you probably spent – how many hours learning your own roster before you could even worry about the rest of the league. You had to learn that, uh, that bears roster. Yeah. Scouting in 1992 was different. And, um, you know, there were very few pro guys. Uh, most teams only had one at the time. And, and honestly, my first several months, they want uh, bill wanted me to computerize our department. We didn't have any computers, you know, we didn't have any databases. And, um, so I, along with somebody in the, computer department built up a database where we could actually track players prior to 1992 they they literally had a typewriter and uh, they didn't have any kind of database so that was fun to be able to implement that and and it was a great way just to learn uh some of the foundational basics of scouting because yep. i had to go ask some questions at that point yes. you know and um so after that um is when I started watching tape and, and, and really getting into it. Um, but it, it took me a few months because of that, you know, trying to computerize our department. Yeah. So for, you know, any young scouts that are, you know, listening out there, don't forget how good you have it jumping on a, uh, an iPad, wherever you're at and being able to watch basically anything you want. Um, it's, it hasn't always been that way. It's uh, easy for scouts to complain sometimes, but, uh, 
man, well, I can't well, imagine the days of, you know, I've heard scouts talk about, I was driving from one school to another. I had to stop at a gas station, use a pay phone to call my wife at home because, you know, who knows when the next time I'm going to be near a phone. And uh, now we're FaceTiming while we're driving and it's like we never left. It's uh, it's <laughs> certainly a different world, isn't it? It really is. And I honestly grew up with 16 millimeter film. We still hear scouts or coaches <laughs> talking about film. Yes. Well, there's no film anymore. And so I can remember doing cutups, you know, with film. In fact, a funny story uh, in 1989, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a graduate assistant and uh, we're playing Nebraska. Colorado's number two undefeated. Nebraska's number three undefeated. I think we were both eight or nine and oh that year. So this is, this is like one of those games of the century. Who's mm -hmm. going to be able to go to the orange bowl and, and, the morning of the game, we have to trade, you know, film, you know, we have to give back to Nebraska, their film and vice versa. Well, uh, Friday night, we would take our cutups and put them back in the original film. And so the other GA and I went to his car and, and unbeknownst to me, he had put the film on top of the car and left it there when we <laughs> drove off. So when we got to the facility, we're in complete panic mode. We're looking everywhere. We're, we're climbing in dumpsters. And, oh, my. And it was just, it was the worst three or four hours of my professional life. And unbeknownst again to us, the high school across the street where my little brother played. So my dad went to see him play. And some fan had found the film in the parking lot and took it to my dad. So everybody knew that my dad had it. But but the other GA and I, That's... so we had to suffer for about four hours and we had to get yelled at by, you know, other coaches. And yeah. meanwhile, my dad had it all along. Wow. That's uh, I, you ne one of those stories that you never, uh, never stop hearing about. I am sure through the yeah. process. So <laughs> those are the fun ones. So, uh, so you spend time there 98 after a six year run with the bears, you jump over to the Eagles as a director of pro personnel, uh, talk about how that role changed. What was that experience like in Philly? It was a great experience in Philly. Uh, we were, um, we got there in 98. Ray Rhodes was still coaching and, and uh, we were going through a transition at that point as an organization. And uh, so we had, we had let Ray go after the 98 season, we were three and 13 and we had the second pick of the draft and hired Andy Reid and drafted Donovan McNabb and, so leading up to that in 1998, just sort of being in charge was fun, you know. Um, and then as the season really kind of fell apart, you know, trying to plan for the following season without sacrificing what the coaches were doing during the season, yep. that was challenging because, you know, the coaches, of course, they're they're coaching, you know, to win games and, and, and everybody wants to win games, but, you know, that's always the tension between a short-term approach and, and a long-term approach. And we were, we had to find that balance between letting the coaches do everything they could to win games, but not sacrifice for the future. And, right. and, and I remember thinking and saying to Modrak, um, you know, um, the 45 man dress or 46, they used to dress 46. Let's not touch that. But but from 47 to 53, like that's our chance to maybe find a player. Yep. And so we really worked the bottom of the roster a lot that year. And, um, and then, of course, when we drafted McNabb, uh, you know, that was we had our quarterback. And yep. how many teams today 
know deep down they don't have their quarterback. So when you when you get your quarterback, you got you got a shot, and yes. then you run around him. And those were uh, those were hard years, but they were fun years. And and just being involved, um, as you know, a lot of times with with high end decisions in the NFL, there's only three or four people that really are involved: head mm-hmm. coach, GM, maybe player personnel director. And being in those meetings, it was it was great. It was fascinating. I always say, not only was I trained how to study players, but being a director forced me to learn how to study teams too. Yes, we spent a lot of time studying why are certain teams, you know, winning. You know, what are they doing? And so those were fun times. You know, looking back, it was hard because we weren't winning a lot the first year or two. But our third year, we were, you know, two games from the Super Bowl, and um, you know, we turned it around pretty quick. And then after I left and Modrak left. They, the Eagles went to four straight championships, <laughs> NFC championships, so with one Super Bowl. So I think we did a pretty good job of building a good foundation there. Yeah, absolutely. That was always uh, that was always really one of the uh, one of the aspects that I missed when I moved from pro to college is is that uh, the thought process as you were looking at other rosters, whether you were doing an, an, an advanced scouting report or you know doing a team needs where you were trying to anticipate, all right, what what is this team thinking? Where were where did they come up short? Who are they going to be unloading? Um, and yeah, like you said, trying to figure out what they're thinking, what direction they're going. That is there is that is so much fun, um, you know, knowing knowing that it's going to affect the other thirty-one. What that team does will affect the other thirty-one in in some way, whether it's a draft or free agency or or anything in between. And that's uh, from from a pro personnel standpoint. That is, um, you know, playing a little bit of psychologist for these other teams. Um, and then, like you said, working the working the uh, the bottom of the roster and the the conflict that that can create with the coaching staff. Um, it is, uh, you know, there's always a comfort level for coaches with certain guys that they want to keep on the roster. And, you know, you can understand why they're trying to get ready for a game each week. But at the same time, it's, you know, if you're talking about a 32 year old wide receiver who's on the way out and there's a 22 year old wide receiver that maybe has something you would love to make that switch and, uh, you know, doing, doing it delicately and, um, professionally, because obviously that is a very, very important relationship between the front office and the coaches to to make sure that's balanced. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, I, I, I remember going into the coaches' offices areas and, and trying to talk to some of the coaches. So they didn't think we were giving up on it, you know. Right. Uh, but it was still delicate. And yeah. especially as we got later, really into December, because it, nobody had to say it we all kind of knew what was coming you know and and it was just tough but it was it was a great challenge and a great learning experience too yeah yeah certainly so uh 2002 you get certified i believe that was the year you got certified you jump over to the agent world um how did that come about obviously the world we know with both scouting and with agents has has changed uh, you know, tremendously, even since, you know, the, the early 2000s. But uh, was that something you had thought about? Was, had you, obviously, as a pro personnel director, you're talking to agents uh, pretty regularly as you're bringing in free agents and working guys out, doing all that. But uh, you know, just talk to, talk to me about that transition and what that was like and kind of the thought process. Yeah, so two things happened to me. One, uh, in 2000, 
we got uh, we had a good team. We were eleven and five, got into the playoffs, and we went to the Giants. So it was early in two thousand and one, January. We and we're two games for a Super Bowl, and we get beat, and we really got run out of the gym for the third time that year by the Giants. Um, I kind of cringe because my Eagles record against the Giants was zero and seven. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah, and when I was driving home from North Jersey to South Jersey, uh, I started taking inventory with my life. And it's funny I share this with with guys I'm recruiting, and I always say, "Don't take inventory after a tough loss. Wait a few days." <laughs> I took inventory, and where I was, I had three little boys. They were four, two, and one. And that drive home hit me like a ton of bricks. I knew I was going to wake up in 20 years and ask to raise my sons. You know, I would get up at 4.30 in the morning. I'd get to the office, have a little quiet time, and then just watch tape all day. Mm -hmm. I'd get, I would actually leave at night. You know, the coaches never left, but I did. I'd get home just in time to put my boys to bed. I'd look at my wife and fall asleep. And, you know, this is such an all-encompassing job. And, And even when I was home, I was completely distracted. How do we win a Super Bowl? How do we do this? And and so, you know, my mom had a saying. I grew up like that. My mom had a saying every year on August 1st, football's here, goodbye, dear. You know, we wouldn't see my dad for six months. Now, he would show up here and there, but he would look right through us. And that drive home hit me because here I'm doing the same thing. And so I really started thinking long and hard about uh, doing something different. And I was at the Senior Bowl and uh, I was leaving the Senior Bowl, getting ready to jump in a cab. And Rick Smith, who was an agent at Priority Sports at the time, saw me and he said, hey, I got some time. I can take you to the airport. And we ended up grabbing lunch and we were just talking. And, you know, I, I was asking questions about being an agent and what he enjoyed about it. And I said the words that changed my life. I said, you know, I've often thought about being an agent. And Rick jumped all over it and, um, you know, really kind of, you know, sold me on what it could look like and, you know, joining Priority Sports. And so that was in obviously Senior Bowl into January. I uh, wasn't going to do anything until after the draft, but they hired me that summer and, and that started me on my way as an agent. Perfect. That is, and, you know, you're looking just getting over 20 years now and, I'm sure the process has changed in those 20 years. What does a day in the you know week of your, your life right now look like as an agent? Yeah, I think what one of the things that's fun is every day is different. Yeah. You know, we really don't know um, what can happen, you know. Um, so um, it's it's really a lot of football. It's a lot of psychology. It's it's working with, you know, my fellow partners, Um you know, I watch a lot of football on the weekends. I live in my basement. I have three, you know, big screens in my basement, 70, 55, 55, all in stunning high def. <laughs> and I just sit there and watch all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And then, you know, so the weekends are really all about watching the game and watching players and just seeing, you know, what's happening. I think it's kind of interesting. There's there's not a lot of guys in, or people in, on teams – that watch Saturday and Sunday football. Yep. Usually what we've done in our league is kind of said, hey, let's have some college scouts, you know, focus on Saturday football. Let's have pro scouts focus on Sunday. So I feel like I have an advantage really watching it all day Saturday and all day Sunday. 
Saturday football is always going to impact Sunday football. Right. Always. You know, our, our league did not want to go to the spread offense, right? But we had to had because to. that's what Saturday football was giving us. So uh, I, I've been – I'm very diligent in doing that. I rarely go to games, uh, college or pro, just because when I'm at a game, I'm going to miss so much. Yes. And I, I put a huge premium on making sure that I watch the game of football and just see what's happening from a trend standpoint, mm. you know, player standpoint. And I want to be, I want to have credibility when I'm talking to teams. Right. And part right. of my credibility is, is watching the game closely. So during the week, it's more uh, just working with players that honestly, we spend more time with the guys that are out of work than we do the guys yep. that are, are uh, on teams uh, trying to help the guys out of work, you know, position them with the teams, you know, maybe, you know, seeing, you know, if there's an injury and that's always delicate too, because, you know, if a team loses a key player, you don't want to be the first guy to say, Hey, sign my guy. But at the same point, that's our job. So trying to find ways to connect with teams on our players is a big thing during the week, dealing with the medical issues throughout the week, you know, so there's all kinds of things, you know, not as many uh, contract negotiations during the, during the season, like maybe we used to see, um, but but a lot of contract studies on preparing for free agency and and, and you know guys that are going to either you know hit free agency or be extended. Yeah, so that's kind of the you know. But again, it's always different. Like I, you never know. Um, one thing about Zoom calls, like in a, in a podcast like this, is I I now have to block out time. <laughs> you know, before I didn't have to quite block out time quite like I do now. Yep. And there's something good about that because I can turn my ringer off and know that I can't answer phone calls because I'm on the Zoom call or a podcast like this, you know. Yep. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure some of that stuff that, you know, some of that time in season is is probably similar to what you were doing in your later years as a pro personnel director where you are looking at all these, you know, NFL teams and seeing all right, who's who's going to be doing something and, you know, trying to stay one step ahead and um again that way when when the phone does ring you've got your information ready and uh and you're again staying one step ahead is always uh, always important there's no doubt that my uh, scouting background has helped me tremendously as an agent as well as my you know short coaching background you yeah. know just learning how to watch tape and understanding you know fronts and coverages and things like that um so it, it's, it is a huge benefit, you know, for me as an agent to, to, to know the game of football and, yeah. and be able to, you know, talk to players and see. I had to learn when I came to the agent side to see it from a player's perspective and, and how to give them some thoughts on, on, you know, taking their game to another level, too. So um, football is what what is is what I love about it and I enjoy it. And so. It has been, you know, invaluable for me, yep. uh, that that scouting background. Yeah, that's awesome. So from the agency side, you've worked for two really good agencies, obviously started with Priority Sports, just moved to Vayner Sports. Talk about that decision, you know, Vayner Sports, what attracted you to, you know, make the switch and, you know, join a new group? Yeah, it was a hard decision. I spent 21 years with Priority Sports. They're based out of Chicago. It's a great agency with great people. And I don't know if I completely um, understood but why, but 
after 21 years, I just kind of needed a change. You know, I think when COVID hit, I had, for 20 years, I, had, I drove downtown Chicago every day from the western suburbs of Chicago. That was miserable, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then when COVID hit, it just, I think it started, you know, causing me to just reflect and, and think about the future a little differently. And so along the way, several years ago, I had met Gary and AJ Vaynerchuk and and they were always, you know, super friendly and and um, kind of had things that they might be interested. So I uh, picked up the conversation, you know, really just a few weeks before we made the move. And um, it was really, really hard because I, I do care about the people at Priority Sports. They're great people. I'm going to always root for them. And but sometimes a man needs a change and, yeah. and just a fresh uh, start and um you know, this is no reflection on priority in any way, but it's been great. You know, the, I've been at Vayner Sports for seven months. A couple of young agents came with me, Jamie Moten and Kyle Dolan. And, you know, we've had a blast kind of getting integrated into how Vayner does things. And um, maybe, you know, Vayner is on the climb. They're younger. And, it's, and, and then they've got this, um, you know, this business piece with Vayner X, Gary's company. So the, learning the ecosystem of Vayner has been, you know, fun and challenging at times, but uh, it's been great. You know, we're, um, we've got a good team. We've got six agents. I'm the only one with gray hair. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully some experience can help them. Yes. Know? But uh, yeah, it'll be fun to go to the all-star games and combine and, and maybe a couple pro days and, and with our team, but also running into the priority sports guys because yeah. I do root for them. Yeah. As well, yeah, no, it's, I mean, like you said, it's two, two really good agencies and uh, yeah, like you said, sometimes a change is needed and um, it's, you know, ultimately works out for everybody. So 10 plus years on the scouting personnel side. Now you've been on the agent side for 20 plus years. What unique things are you telling, you know, potential prospects, guys that are out at the college level that you're recruiting that really sets you apart? Yeah, obviously my football, you know, I'm able to watch their game. I can um, identify talent. I can talk to them about, you know, things they're doing well, but give them some thoughts on things that they can work on. And, you know, the, the reality is there's a lot of really good agents, but they don't know how to study. The, they haven't been trained to study the game like you and I have. Right. And so many agents, you know, will call a team and get a scouting report and regurgitate that to the player. And, and I think, you know, smart players see through someone that can actually watch their tape as opposed to regurgitate what they've heard. So, you know, I'm, I'm of course, I'm going to play to my strengths and, you know, I do know the game and I'm, I know about situational football. That's how I, I said it earlier, that's how I watch the game. And I think I'm able to, you know, uh, share that with players. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate now with 22 years that I've done a lot of contracts and, in my early years, I could only sell football, <laughs> you know, now I can sell a few other things, you know, because I've been able, you know, to stay at it for several years. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, I think that's what separates me is, you know, I'm, there's, I don't know if I'm, I might be the only guy who's actually played the game of football, uh, coached the game of football, was a scout, you know, in the NFL and now represent players in the NFL. So, um, that's a unique background, as you said earlier. And, and um, I think for some guys, I think they see the value of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think they a ton of value there. And uh, 
I am sure, sure that uh, if you're not the only one, it's a very, very short list out there. So, yeah, um, <laughs> no doubt. As long as you've been in football, there's got to be some maybe fun, possibly hard to believe, you know, eye opening experiences, maybe from any of the roles you've been in. What would uh, what's kind of a fun story maybe that uh, that, you know, people walking away from this podcast, just, you know, did, did how much did he embellish that story? Do you have any of those? <laughs> I've thought a lot about it you know, this question and, and uh, I'll, I'll share something that happened to me real recently and I'm going to expose myself here a little bit. So uh, I was really fortunate to represent two players that were invited to Las Vegas for the NFL draft uh, this past April, Aiden Hutchinson and Ikemi Kwanu. And, and, and it was quick. Aiden went two and, and um, Icky, we call it Ikem Icky. He went six. And so we were, uh, Jamie and I were together and we, you know, we got to leave pretty quick, which was, was a good goal to have. Right. Yeah. And um, so ultimately the, the draft started at five o'clock in Vegas. And uh, after uh, Aiden and his family kind of went to do the PR stuff, the NFL has to do right after the draft. And then they were having a draft party and a draft celebration. And so we stayed with Icky and we went, you know, through his PR things and, you know, but back to the hotel, changed all that good stuff, and we went to his after party, and and so it was fun to, to walk in there with Icky and watch everybody celebrate his parents and family and coaches, and so we spent a good hour with them. and And I said, it's probably about twelve, twelve thirty. You know, I said I got to get to Aiden's after party, so they're at the the Wynn Hotel, and they're wrapping up their their actual you know kind of dinner celebration. As I walk in and, and they said, hey, we're going to go to the club now. And somebody has set Aiden and his family up for the club. So we walk into this club. I guess it's a, it's a huge club in the wind. And, and um, so as we walk in, it's, a, it's so festive. It's so fun. They're playing the Michigan fight song. They've got girls with uh, holding up letters, spelling out Aiden's name. And, you know, they've got an area roped off for us. And you can imagine we're having fun, right? We're celebrating right. this. It's, yeah. like, it's so much that goes into it and finally get to take a deep breath because I don't care how good the player is. There is that moment in the green room where you don't know, right. you know if your yeah. guy's getting drafted. So my heart wasn't beating fast anymore at this point. You know, they, I had maybe a glass or two of champagne. I'm finally relaxing. And this guy comes up to me and he he says, hey, are you Aiden Hutchins' agent, Hutchinson's agent? And I said, I'm, you know, I'm feeling good, right? So I said, yeah, hey, man, I'm Mike McCartney. What's your name? And he introduces himself, and he kind of puts his arm around me, and he says, Mike, let me tell you something. I've been the manager here for 10 years, and you are the only man I've ever let in my nightclub wearing shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody can believe I did that. I hadn't been into a nightclub in 30 plus years. Yeah. That's uh you were, you know, certainly the only one and uh you know, but you were you were there with the 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 star of the party so you can get away with it, right? You're exactly right. It had nothing to do with Mike McCartney. It was all about Aiden Hutchinson at that point. So, but it's a, it was a fun moment and we laugh about it now, especially Jamie, my young partner who 
cannot believe that somebody wore shorts in a Vegas <laughs> nightclub and he loves to, to kind of bring that up every every few days. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. And, uh, you know, if you're asking me, I think Aiden lasted one pick longer than he should have, but uh, great landing spot there right close to Ann Arbor and uh, having a great year. So that's, uh, that's, that's fun. And that's, uh, I, I can only imagine the number of stories, number of draft picks you've had that, uh, there's some really good fun ones there and uh and that's a good one and uh you know I'll next time I see you I'm going to be checking pants or shorts you know wh- where it doesn't matter if it's an indie if it's at the senior bowl I'm going to be checking pants or shorts so uh, yeah I, I think I learned my lesson so uh it was 85 degrees that day if that matters <laughs> yeah it does matter because you got to be comfortable Vegas you know it uh at that time of the year you know end of April that's yeah you're you're probably it was probably still about 100 degrees out on the strip so I, I don't think anybody should blame you for that right thank you appreciate yeah, that yeah, Eric. i yeah. finally have some support here <laughs> <laughs> well uh you know obviously you've been in coaching you've been in personnel you've been in uh, an agent if there's somebody out there listening to this podcast that wants to get into any of those aspects what uh maybe just the football world what advice are you giving them yeah i get this question a lot and um i i feel like um you know there's three things that i i typically share with people one is network, network, network. You know, um, young people today have so many ways to network and and um, you know have a, a nice long view about it, but just get to know people. I share the story. Lou Holtz, you know, when he first got into coaching, wrote five handwritten letters every single day. Think about that. That's 35 a week. You know, that's 140 handwritten letters a month, and he did it for years. And he ultimately... The smallest guy in coaching was the head coach in Notre Dame, right? And he knew how to network. So I think networking is really important. A lot of people give up on it, um, you know, too quickly. The second thing is I think that a lot of young people like to know a little bit about everything. And I say, consider the opposite. Try and learn a lot about something small. For example, if I'm a football coach and I'm interviewing a lot of coaches, and one guy comes in and says, hey, coach, the only thing I know is the quarterback center exchange, but he can talk in depth about it for 60 minutes. I, I'm going to come out of that saying I can teach him the rest if he can learn that. Right. You know, so I encourage people, you know, try and learn a lot about something and maybe become an ex younger. And there's something that you're passionate about in the game of football you know, really know that inside and out as best you can as an outsider. And and that might help you in an interview. And then the third thing I always say is, you know, chase integrity. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to take a shortcut, um, to maybe partner with someone who doesn't share your values. And I just encourage, you know, young people choose integrity. The older you get, you'll never regret the moves that you turned down that didn't fit with who you are as a person, your character and your integrity. That is three perfect piece of advice. I, you know, being an expert, absolutely be an expert, not a guru, you know, guru thrown around a lot, be an expert on something. And yeah, that integrity piece, I think that's a, that's tremendous networking. You know, for me, that's one of the hardest things, not natural, but uh, man, I think those, those are three great piece of advice. Well, uh, Mike, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe send you, you know, a message, you know, get a hold of you, follow you, where, where could they do that at? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter and I've got an, int- I have an int- int- interesting experience on Twitter because on game day, there are fans 
used to be in Green Bay, now in Dallas, that think I'm the head coach of the Cowboys. <laughs> and I kind of play along. So, um, and interestingly enough, you know, this Sunday, um, the Packers are hosting the Cowboys. So I can imagine my Twitter is going to be lively, but Absolutely. I'm in Mike McCartney 7, and um, I do try to uh, follow Twitter closely because I think there's a lot of great, you know, instant information out there. And yep. every now and then I maybe – you know, get to the ledge a little bit and put something out there that might be a little edgy, but <laughs> I do enjoy, you know, kind of the, the experience, um, you know, especially with people thinking I'm the head coach. Yeah. But, Again, know. it's Mike McCartney, not Mike McCarthy, who is, uh, who is that coach. And uh, again, I've, yeah, I've seen some of those. I always get a good laugh about them and uh, you know, it's great, great to play along. And uh, Mike, well, this is, uh, this has been awesome. I appreciate you being on with me and, uh, Wish you best of luck as we get closer to all-star games uh, guys, you know, getting, getting all the way signed up with you and uh, just through the process. I'm, I'm excited to see you out there on the road. Yeah. appreciate it, man. This has been a fun time talking and thank you for giving me a chance to kind of relive, um, you know, some fun years of my life. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the road as well. And hopefully I'll have some, we, we used a term back in the late eighties uh, in recruiting. We were looking for war daddies. And so hopefully this year I'll have some war daddies to bring along the way. Yep. There's a couple of them out there and we'll, uh, we'll see where they end up. Mike, well, thank you again. Thanks, Robert. Take care, man.